0: This is Covered Calls with Kevin Simpson, featuring expert insights and analysis from the industry's top investment professionals. If you'd like a deeper understanding of today's markets, this is the show for you. Uh, Welcome everyone to At Covered Calls. This is our podcast. I'm Kevin Simpson, your host. And if you're tuning in for the first time, I'm the CEO of Capital Wealth Planning. And my goal with this podcast is always to engage with the best and brightest minds on Wall Street. Today, I couldn't be more than excited to have the great Stephanie Link on. Stephanie is the Chief Investment Strategist and Portfolio Manager at Hightower Advisors. Most of you will recognize Stephanie from her work at CNBC. And before we get started, I just want to let you know that I'm personally a huge fan, and you're one of my favorite investment strategists on the network, and mostly because the rigor and process that you go through is so impressive. But even more than that, there's not a ticker symbol that someone can't throw, it, that you, uh, throw at you that you don't know every single statistic about it. I mean, how do you do it?
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. It's really called passion, right? It's we, we love what we do. And I, I just like to learn something new every, every day. And I stay humble because I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to be a 500 batting average uh, investor. That would be great if I could. But we know that it's, uh, it's a challenge. But uh, it's always fun to learn something new every day.
0: Well, you're the best at it. I mean, I try to do it in my own little space, but I can remember, you know, two or three stocks inside and out. And I think that they throw probably two or 300 at you a week and you seem to know everything about them. So I, I, I'm i always impressed. And go, 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 going back into your history, speaking of impressive um, one of the things that I know our audience is prim- primarily financial advisors. They watch CNBC a lot, a lot of Jim Cramer fans. And you worked with Jim as a co-portfolio manager at the street for his charitable remainder, I guess his charitable trust. Yeah. What, what was that like? Any good stories?
1: I have a great story um, and uh, about Jim. I mean, I could, I could go on all, all day, but this one is something that is very near and dear to my heart, believe it or not. I think that Jim, while he does seem a little out there, uh, I think that uh, he is not that kind of a person when you get to know him. He has an amazing amount of, uh, of talk about rigor and uh, focus and energy, um, that uh, it's it was really a wonderful compliment uh, to, to work with him because I had just left the sell side and I wanted to tr- try to learn about running money. And he is very, very good. At, uh, at managing money, believe it or not. And so we kind of ham and egged it. He was the momentum person. I was more of like the value core uh, per, uh, person. And and so there are a lot of all capitals on emails uh, through the years as we debated and uh, discussed on, on emails. But the story I want to tell is um, when I met Jim, uh, as I mentioned, I wanted to leave the sell side and see if I could could run money. He was looking for someone to, to run his uh, charitable trust, as you mentioned. and he actually, uh, we, we, we met for th- uh, 30 minutes. And after 30 minutes, he hired me on the spot. And by the way, that 30 minutes, he never asked a thing about me. He just wanted to talk about stocks and tickers and this and that. And so I accepted. And he said, you know, take a month off. I just had my child. And uh, he said, take a month off, enjoy, because we're going to hit the ground running come May 1st. So uh, April 30th comes. And I decided wow, I spent all this time with my newborn. I don't think I could, I didn't think I could leave her. I mean, I always wanted to be a career person and a mom. Sure. And it was hard. It was hard that the night before. So I called him up and I said, on the night of the 30th of April, and I'll never forget it. I, I said, Jim, I can't come to work with you. And he said, and I thought he was gonna slam the phone on me. And he said, why? He's like, what happened? I said, nothing. I just don't think I could actually work uh and uh five days a week in the city and be away from my daughter and he said okay he said what is it going to take and this is way before the zoom days and the and 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 the webinar days and he said um what is it going to take and i said well um can i work home for two days uh a, a week and he said hmm he goes how about you work home three days a week and two days in the city and that is the Jim Cramer I know, right? That, like he just got it, which by the way, working at home was harder than working in the city because it was 24 seven, but uh, <laughs> he has a heart of gold. Um, but also he's very, very smart and taught me a lot in terms of money management.
0: It, it, interesting how, how we get to where, where we're going and uh, everything happens for a reason. And, and where you are now is just so awesome you're with Hightower Advisors. We know Hightower. We work with a lot of advisors within the network. Tell us a little bit about Hightower, if you could.
1: Yeah. So Hightower um, is one of the largest independent wealth management companies um, with uh, about 120 advisor teams and over $120 billion in assets under management. Um, it's uh, it's it's really a, a great place. Um, it's almost like 120 entrepreneurs, and every one of the teams—they're different, uh, and uh, and I've gotten to meet and know many of them, and they're very, very bright, and they really just want uh, to 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 do what they love to do, and many of them are really, truly some of the best wealth managers I have ever uh, ever met, um, and so. We are headquartered in Chicago, but I'm in New York, and of uh, course, we could do that nowadays, but um, we spend a lot of time out in Chicago, too, but around the field and visiting them, um, and I run the Investment Solutions Group, which is an out, it's, it's really uh, used to be called the OCIO, so it's Outsourced CIO um, uh, Business. I call it the, the Investment Solutions Team uh, just because um, I thought that not a lot of people knew what OCIO was. So what we do is we're a miniature asset manager within High Tower, and we have equities and fixed income as well as multi-asset portfolios uh, that we manage. And we also have an alternatives business as well. And so I oversee that group. And we're at uh, we're up to about three point three billion dollars in assets under management.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, as you know, I'm an equity only manager, so fixed income isn't anything that I have a, a, a good expertise in, but or any, but our, our audience, the financial advisors that we work with, that we communicate all the time are starting to get excited for, for the first time in a long time about fixed income. And uh, I, I go back longer than you. So I remember when there were yields in, in bonds in, in and <laughs> days gone by and decades past. but it seems like for the past decade, it was just an effort of uh, trying to squirrel money away, but not really make money. What are your thoughts on on the fixed income side of things moving forward? Should advisors be excited about it?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I think this year has been an eye-opener, um, Kevin, because really because I think people expect, and as, as you're an equities person, people expect to lose money in equities every once in a blue moon. They, they do think, yeah, you know, it's volatile, but over the long term, the average return, total return in the S&P 500 is about 7%, but you're going to have up years, you're going to have down years, and I think people can realize and, 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 and reconcile with that. On fixed income, I think this year, I think people forgot you could lose money. And I think that's the biggest learning experience for them this year. Uh, And we all know why. Uh, We know why the markets are down overall, equities and fixed income. And that is because we have a a changing of the guard with the Fed and with liquidity, Uh, mainly monetary policy changes, but also less uh, fiscal policy Implementation, right? We had an unprecedented amount of liquidity over the last three years before 2022. And in fact, if you go back to June of 2020, when we were at the height of the the issues, uh, we we saw that fiscal and monetary policies that were put in place was 60% of US GDP. So to put that into perspective, uh, the last recession or the last in the great financial crisis that in 2008 the fiscal and monetary policies, if you add it all up, uh, was 5% of US GDP. So clearly we put in an enormous amount of money into the economy, into the system, and that helped us get out of the closures that we saw, right? And we had a V-shaped recovery as a result. Well, so you fast forward to this year and now you have more of a restraint in liquidity. And so you have a dislocation in inequities and fixed income. Now, I think up until uh, this year, there was no alternative for the last 10 years. We've had zero interest rate policy in place for that long. And as a result, I think that this year, you actually now, especially on the short end, you could just hold the bond to maturity and collect 4% on a two year or three and a half percent on a 10 year. Um, And that's about as far as I would go. I know that there are some experts in fixed income that are starting to nibble at the long end, thinking that there's real value there. Um, I think you can do it. But I would just say you want to have more like a ladder approach, if you will, on fixed income. But I do think uh, the 60-40, which was dead because there was no alternative, that's now actually turned itself right around. And I think that certainly it's uh, an attractive allocation, if if it's not 60-40, if it's 70-30. But there are options in the fixed income market these days.
0: Yeah, I think you make a great point because we We remember back and reflect on two thousand and eight. And if memory serves, I think the TLT or the long bomb was up like twenty-five percent that year. And here we have another down market, maybe of a different consequence. And you see fixed income go down, and of course, when you have rising interest rates, that's what happens. But sure. it's a it, it, it's that reality shock that you know sometimes we we forget about. And you also make a great point about all of the money that's been stuck in or just pumped into the system, and it, it will take time for the monetary supply to be able to absorb all that. Which means we might not have another really strong surging stock market of that free money trade. We may well we may never see it again in our lifetime, but. Uh, it, it's certainly not going to come around anytime soon. It, it, that, that, that seems like a pretty fair guess. I
1: think, it, I think it's interesting. The last three years, m- not 2022, but before 2022, the three years prior, you had a compounded annual growth rate in the S&P 500 of 28%. 28%. People thought that was normal.
0: Yeah. Right? And it, didn't it include like a 35% three-week correction? That exactly all, right. That exactly we
1: <laughs> right. Isn't that incredible though? I mean, and but but I think... Kevin, I think people thought that was absolutely the norm. And I think people thought that they were great stock pickers. And by the way, a lot of people could make money when the markets are up 28%. You may not beat your benchmark, but you still felt good, even if you were up 20%, right? And so this year, that's why this year hurts that much more, because you've got an equity market as down as where, where it is, and you actually also have fixed income. So you're getting the double whammy. It's not going to stay like this forever. And you know what? Even if we go into a recession, we're discounting a lot of bad news. Uh, going forward, and remember the, the equity markets, well, in the fixed income markets, they're forward-looking indicators, right? So we're discounting yeah. a lot.
0: Yeah, I share I share that um, that optimism with you. Maybe not as much as some of your peers uh, on on halftime, but I think for sure a recession has to happen just based on the the, the way I'm looking at markets and preparing the portfolio for it. But to your sure. point, the market doesn't care about a recession. If you own great stocks with low multiples that make money and have profits they're going to go up no matter what happens. So yeah. the you know the fun that we're all having is well what's going to happen next year? What's the Fed going to do? What's the market going to do? What are your year-end forecasts? And it's great to talk about it. I think it's important to have, you know, to be in the ballpark somewhat so you've got some, you know, credibility. But the reality is, and this goes for both you and I, we don't own the markets. We're stock pickers. And it doesn't matter what the stock market does. And it doesn't matter what the broad index is doing day to day. What matters is the, the stocks that we own within it. And wh- wh- when you were talking about that three-year super cycle, it didn't matter. You could have bought anything and you would have made money. And now yeah. um, now, now, maybe we, 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 earn our, uh, we earn our stripes again.
1: Uh, I think we definitely are our stripes. I mean, I know I've got a little bit more gray hair this year than, uh, than, than the last three years. That's for for darn sure, but. uh, You
0: keep looking better every day. I don't want to hear about it.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you.
0: So, so talk, talk to us and, and, and I know we're coming up against it in terms of time, but if we want to have a little fun with the projection for next year and, You know, we're not looking for, uh, you know, incredibly specific, but just somewhat maybe more of a range for the S&P 500. I know I just said we don't care and it doesn't matter, but it's still fun to do at the end of the year. What do you you think for 2023?
1: So I think... 23, 23 is going to be uh, the tale of two halves. The first half, I think, is going to be challenging. And I think we're going to stay in the trading range. Um, I don't know, call it, say, 3600 to 4200 kind of a range. And that is simply because we just don't know what the Fed um, is going to do. We also don't know what the Fed has already done. What is it going to do to the economy? We know it's going to slow down. Uh, what is it going to do to earnings, too? So there's too many questions, too many unknowns. And I think... We will get to the point end of first quarter, maybe early second quarter where the Fed does pause. And then I think if they pause and they just become data dependent and they keep rates high, though, because that's what they've said, um, any data point that comes out in terms of better inflation, better growth, uh, a a Fed that does, in fact, pivot, uh, because I don't think a pause is a pivot. um, I think as we get that the second half of the year, we we certainly will be, uh, I think, higher uh, do we get to, you know, the, the, the highs of this year, 4,800? Uh, possibly. Uh, we could go even higher if the Fed does start to turn and reverse course and, and start easing. But I think it's too premature to tell, if you look at a CPI number today, it's, if you, it, it's way too premature to say the Fed is going to stop, They're gonna, and then they're going to immediately pivot. They're going to wait a while. They're going to wait to see if inflation can be sustainably to that 2 to 3% level.
0: Yeah, people don't understand that pivot isn't pause. And you bring up a great point. So pivots not a near term thing. It's probably a late 2023 thing.
1: Yeah,
0: potentially an early 2024 thing in my in my thesis, but we agree on everything else, except um, we should have had this conversation next week, because then we would have had the most recent dot plots. And we'd have a little bit more (laughs) of a sense of where that terminal rate will go. And we can think about a multiple and think about what it's going to discount earnings. So uh, I reserve the right for us to just not Uh, give too detailed an answer, but say that it will be highly dependent upon where that terminal rate is. Because what people sometimes also forget, because we've been in the super cycle and zero interest rates, is that multiples can't be at the levels that they were at 2021 when interest rates were zero. So when interest rates go up, multiples compress. I mean, that's what happened to Microsoft in 2000. It wasn't like Microsoft had all these problems. It was just multiple compression for year after year after year and and they finally they had to grow into it i mean essentially that's what that's what had to happen with the stocks they had to grow into their earnings to get to their stock price so
1: we And you uh, made a good point too Kevin in that this year it's been value over growth and It's been kind of, it has not been rewarding to on these kinds of days when you see a little bit of growth at outperforming value. I just don't think you're going to see the the value give up its gains. I think that's where you want to be, especially in the first half of the year. I've been leaning more towards value. I've been overweight energy, materials, industrials, financials. I'm starting to look at some of the home builders um, just because I think longer term, I think that if we do get a pause pivot, those stocks are extremely cheap. Uh, but it may be a little bit early on that on that front. But I've been underweight tech for a while. I have started to uh, buy some semiconductor companies uh, in the last couple of weeks because they got too cheap. And I would call those value tech, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, think you uh,
0: Lam- to Did you buy LAM yesterday? I mean, we're, this is evergreen, yeah. so no one's going to remember that. that.
1: <laughs> I bought uh, LAM I- and I added to Broadcom. Uh, and, of course, I own and I'm suffering with Meta. But that truly is a value, I think, over the long term as well.
0: We're all rooting for you, so you can stick it to Josh Brown someday on that one. <laughs> I, uh,
1: I've 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 stuck it to him a couple of times over the years. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love energy. I'm with you there. I like financials, healthcare. We still like consumer staples but they've gotten expensive because yeah. people kind of ran there to hide we've been adding to general uh, mills a little bit because we still think we own procter gamble but we can't buy it at these levels yeah yeah um even mcdonald's i look at the multiple there and i'm like i can't i can't add to this stock and we've owned it for almost 10 years it's just yeah. it's ahead of its skis i think a little bit in terms of its valuations but the dividends keep pumping out the dividends keep growing and that that to us is a good way to to navigate what we're all thinking is little bit of an uncertainty at least for the next six months and things will get clearer. And I, I will leave everyone with some positive uh thoughts that we're much closer to the end of the Fed tightening than the beginning. Yes. yes. And to Stephanie's point, we've got tremendous optimism for the latter part of next year, which which for all the right reasons. And uh and there's even, as you, you know, said so eloquently, there's even opportunities and in fixed income. So a lot lot to be thankful for as we head into the end of the year and the holiday season. Thank you. So much for coming on the show. We all love you, the world, and uh, can't can't wait to uh, have you on next year and see what these predictions turn out to.
1: Thank you so much. Have a great holiday.
0: Thanks, Stephanie.
1: This message does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase securities through CWP Advisory Services. Investments are not guaranteed and involves risk of loss. The views and opinions expressed in this message are those of investment professionals made at the time this content was recorded, are not necessarily the views and opinions of CWP, and may change in time without notification. For additional information about CWP, visit CWP's or the SEC's website for a copy of our ADV disclosure brochure and Form CRS.